When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Native Community Capital is your trusted partner for home loans or financing your business. Visit us at nativecap.org or call us at 855-628-2272. Let's work together to rebuild tribal economies. Terraform Development is a Navajo and Hopi-owned engineering, architectural, and project management firm located in northern Arizona. The company has full-time staff and comprises of Navajo and Hopi employees. Terraform services include civil engineering, residential design, drone mapping, and project management on projects for your need. Terraform is a Priority One Navajo Certified Business and Hopi Business License Certified. Contact Terraform Development at T-E-R-R-A the number 4ORM.com and follow them on Instagram at Terraform Development. You are now listening to the Carl and J-Man Say the World podcast. I am your host from our beautiful home at Peace Academy Studios. We haven't been here in so long. I almost forgot what it's called, and it feels very good to be back, J-Man. And with me is my assistant, Mr. Get Slap Slap, Carl. I am not his assistant. I'm his... uh, I'm his right man, right hand man. There, you're my right or my left hand man, and so we're back <laughs> in the studio, which we haven't been back in a long time. So I'd like to thank our listeners for their patience with us. Yeah, as we go through a very busy time within our lives, a very busy time out here on Hopi. And so, actually, though the last episode I thought sounded really good for not yeah, being in the studio, it, it sounded pretty professional because I'm a professional and that's what I do. <laughs> And so Carl is emphasizing the word professional because that does tie in with what our main topic for today is. And we do have a special guest again. And yes, so we do. two episodes in a row, we got special guests trying to interject a, a different perspective outside of just uh, Carl and I's perspective. But as we dive into this episode that, you know, in the last episode that we kind of just jumped right into it. But this time, I, I think that we're going to do it how I want to do it and, and talk some nonsense before we get to the main <laughs> part of it. But, you know, it, it's funny because I really do hate bandwagons. I, I loathe bandwagons because then I think that I always think that it's, oh, why can't people just like something because they legitimately like it? Why do they have to like and talk about things because other people are talking about it. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think that, you know, we we would deprive our listeners for not jumping on this. But uh, the Oscars were last night. The Oscars were last night. And I don't think that you were aware of it. No. Because as a good professional leader that I am, I ensured that you knew what we were going to talk about. And so I sent you a little video, video clip via YouTube. And basically it was Will Smith... Bitch slapping Kid Rock into you, the next planet. You, you know, Did I say Kid Rock? Chris <laughs> Rock. Chris, you, know, <laughs> you know, you must be a real urban Hopi 
to actually care about the Oscars because us real Hopis out here, we had no idea that the Oscars were going on. So we had we had other important things that we were doing. So <laughs> quote unquote real Hopis like you were, were, <laughs> were busy. Oh, I don't know what kind of shows you guys like to watch on TV, but I know damn for sure that it wasn't because you were busy being productive. <laughs> it, it's a, I was, I was busy singing my songs. I, I know you weren't busy uploading our YouTube episodes onto our YouTube channel. <laughs> That's how busy I am. I can't even upload those. Ones, <laughs> and, and so I guess really, you know, for, for those of you all that had seen it, basically what happened was that during the Oscars, Chris Rock made a joke about Will Smith's wife. Yeah. And yeah. then seconds later, Will Smith walks on stage and then he slaps Chris Rock. Yeah. And, you know, for those uh, of, of us that think that it was fake, I, I it looked like a legit slap to me. And what was interesting is that because once that happened, like the whole world was talking about it because I'm on Twitter a lot. Yeah. I, I, I follow my Twitter page and because it's where I get keep updated with with basketball news, pro wrestling news, just entertainment news in general. And so that's all anybody was talking about. And it was an interesting thing because when a lot of folks were talking about it, a lot of people labeled it in this way, which I thought was false. A lot of people were saying that Will Smith punched Chris Rock, um, which he didn't. Like anybody yeah. that watched that video clearly could see that he slapped him. Yeah. And to me, like there's such a big difference between a punch and a slap. And I guess kind of some of the basis of why I wanted to talk about this and, and what I explained to you before we started recording is that I think that, you know, a lot of us can learn something from this, from this incident that happened, especially for those of us that have children, that are raising children, that yeah. are teaching children about the right and wrong way to handle adversary. Ad, ad, adversary, is that the right word? Yeah. But basically, you know, like, how, how, how do you teach your children about whether it's okay to I, fight or not? I, I have to correct you that slapping and, and punching are actually the same thing. It just means of using your hands in a different way. And it still means the same thing, either, even, even if you do punch or even if you do slap somebody, it still means the same thing. So in my word, in my thought, my, my thought is that Will Smith did actually punch him while slapping him at the same time. <laughs> he did not punch him. <laughs> he did not punch him. A slap is open hand and that the majority of the force comes from the palm. A punch is a closed fist and that a majority of the force comes from your knuckles yeah you're and still so, using you're still so using the more, same you're still using your same hand more damage comes from a closed fist than it does from a slap and in, no 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 both damages the same no it does not emotionally <laughs> does and physically not. it does the same thing well let me slap you right now <laughs> and then we'll punch you <laughs> And then we'll see what the difference. It's going to be the of, same thing. It's going to be the same no, thing. No, it's not. Because yeah. then on one side of your face, you're going to have a red handprint. And then the other side of your face, you're going to you're have, have the black same. Eye. You're going to have the same thing. <laughs> but it does scar you emotionally. And when you do get slapped like that. And it, it, it does. It does. And, and Even though if you get hit or slapped, it still hurts the same it, way. It does. It does. And well, I, I guess at least in my mind and in the way when I think about my upbringing on the playground, I guess, quote unquote, so to speak, or on the dirt road roads of our yeah. villages yeah it's that a slap is when a man slaps another man in in my opinion or at least the way that i've interpreted it, is that it's so much more disrespectful than a punch because when you throw a punch 
that there's an insinuation that there's going to be fight and then the other people you're, you're going to fight back like it, it's more of a, a a contention type thing when you throw a punch but when you slap another man as a man that there's connotations of disrespect behind it like i'm trying to demean you you don't deserve a punch from me i'm gonna slap you because that's all you deserve if you're intention is to slap someone <laughs> you're you're disrespecting that person no matter what you do and lifting that that hand to that person that, that you're, yeah it's still called disrespect mm-hmm. no matter if you do punch that person or slap that person well, well carl for those of us that actually grew up outside <laughs> and actually interacted with others as children that this tends to be the interpretation for a lot of males. My teachings came from, <laughs> from uh, you know, uh, Power Rangers. The only and, street and my, that the, you were <laughs> raised on was Sesame. <laughs> my 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 teachings came from Power Rangers and uh, Captain Planet. <laughs> never to hurt Mother Earth. <laughs> and where's Carmen San Diego? I still haven't found Carmen San Diego <laughs> to this day. And 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 so you know that there, there's a lot of talk that's going on between this incident, and you know, there, there's so many different perspectives. Like there are there's some people that are applauding Will yeah. Smith for standing yeah. up for his woman, because a lot of people feel that the the joke that Chris Rock made towards Jada Pinkett Smith was very disrespectful. There are those that are condemning Will Smith and are calling for him to be arrested for assault. Yeah, and even to the extreme to where saying that he could have killed Chris Rock on the stage with, with, with a slap I, I have yet to hear of anybody dying by death of slap but apparently that that that's what some of the interpretations are and and so you know because I, I I thought about it quite a bit and I thought what if I was in Chris Rock I applaud Chris Rock because I think that he took the slap and he handled it very professionally like he just stood there and he allowed for the show to continue he didn't say a single thing towards Will Smith outside of it was just a joke, dude, is, I believe is what were his yeah. exact words. And then, you know, Will Smith had some very I guess, strong, strong words, words to say afterwards. Yeah. And so, but either way, either way, you know, whether you're applauding or or, or condemning Dis, the, disowning, Smith, yeah. or either one of them that you know the, it, it's kind of an embarrassing thing to be a part of because you did say something to me before we started recording that I had never considered because uh, I, I didn't take my Sesame Street upbringing to heart in the way that you did <laughs> but basically you know you talked about this logical perspective because I told you about an incident that I was very recently involved with and then basically you called me an ape yeah. or for succumbing to my animal animalistic, urges. yeah, your animalistic urges, and then there. you explained this other option of uh, what did you call it? Uh, a, a more um, thought out process, or so, like you know, like what I was saying, like when you're with your incident, I know that you had some similar incident towards mm-hmm. a, a person, and um, it resulted of you going back to your animalistic ways <laughs> like you know it, it, it went back to where it's like ape shit going throwing your poop around yeah. and stuff like that yeah. and it's not your fault it's biological it's your urges to actually lash out because you thought that something was wrong you know you thought that you needed to fight it's like the fight or flight kind of method mm-hmm. and in my mind is that the only reason why you fight is because you're you're trying to defend yourself, mm-hmm. not going out and looking for a fight. Mm-hmm. You're you're basically if unless your life is actually being threatened, then you have to actually either fight or f- you know flight mm-hmm. basically. 
Mm-hmm. And I, because like that, like I mentioned that, you know, because I, and I, I always think about this when I think about, is it okay to physically fight or not? I always think about what my father told me and he always told me that it's okay to fight if somebody swings at you first. Oh yeah. But you should never be the aggressor when it comes to actual physical fighting. And you know, there's a lot of other different types of ways that we think about things growing up here on the reservation, or at least in my experiences, I'm sure that a lot of people have had similar experiences of what our interpretations are. Because I I, I recently told somebody this, because I guess trying to understand the, the res male mind, that I think that one thing is that we hate to be disrespected. Oh, yeah. Whether that's by or a man or a woman. I mean, obviously, nobody likes to be disrespected. But I guess as far as male ego goes, is that when we feel like we're being disrespected, we have to correct it in some way. And our idea of correcting it is, like you said, these animal urges to fling our feces at each other to show that we're not going to take it, that we're yeah. not going to we're not going to tolerate yeah. anyone talking to us or doing something to us in that manner. And, and so, um, but I mean, you know, I, I, I guess I can give some, some credence to what it is that you're saying, because like the thing that you said was that at the end of the day, let them talk shit because what's that really going to do? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, you know, if somebody threatened your life to like, you know, Oh, I'm going to kill you. Mm -hmm. It's just an open threat. Mm -hmm. There's no threat. There's, it's not going to be anything more to it unless they act upon it. Mm -hmm. Then that's when you have to fight for your life there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even then you have to think about the repercussions of when you're going to fight, whether you're going to be self-defense or when you're going to just kind of stay away from everything like that. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's that, at the end of the day, if nothing happens and you're just words are words, then nothing happens. You just brush it off and say that I'll live another day and, you know, just whatever happens the next day is going to be, you know, cool. If you're as shocked as I am, CJ podcast listeners, words to actually think about from Carl and that actually makes sense. And so I think Carl deserves an applause for that. If I knew which oh, yeah. button was the applause oh, yeah. button, this is an applause button. So. <laughs> and, and so, so that's kind of our, our comments of what happened at the Oscars. And so, but today we're, our, our topic is actually going to be about professionalism. So or, wait, 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 before we, uh, before we go on, was Will Smith a professional when doing that? Oh, hell no. I don't think so. I, I, well, okay. I don't think so. I thought Chris Rock was the, the professional. Was Chris Rock being a professional when he was making fun of uh, Jada Pinkett Smith? And, and, and so, you know, there's so many layers to this because then I thought that what Will Smith did, if he was anybody else other than Will Smith, anybody, a name that had less value, yeah. they, they, they would have got escorted out. They probably would have got tackled on their way back down from the stage they probably would have been handcuffed and they probably wouldn't have had a chance to because he ended up winning an award for like best uh, uh best actor or or something for his portrayal of the williams sisters father in yeah. one of those movies but chris rock like i i thought that you know he kind of took it like a g and the other thing that people are saying is well chris rock's a comedian and, yeah and that's what comedians do they they Make fun of things. Yeah. And he made fun of Will Smith's wife because she had a bald head. Yeah. And so people were accusing Chris Rock Chris Rock of making fun of some sort of health condition that she has that deals with her hair. And I had no idea 
that she had this health condition. So I thought in my head, well, maybe Chris Rock didn't know that she had a health condition or that it wasn't his intent to be making fun of this health condition. But no, I, I don't think that Will Smith was professional <laughs> in what he did. Well, you know, like um, like what I... I was, uh, there was a documentary that was going around and it was talking about like the comedy side of things and comedy is actually the last non-political part of how you can express yourself in any type of way mm-hmm. and I think that Chris Rock kind of had um, that mental sense of saying like you know oh I got to read the room here and I saw Jada there she had a bald head I want to make fun of that mm-hmm. you know that whole 90s mentality <laughs> That, you know, back in the 90s, you know, you know, they, these comedy clubs, they would do that. They would pick on people like that. You you do realize that there were things that happened outside of this 90s decade that you're so fond of. <laughs> I still <laughs> want to go back to the 90s. I'm telling you, the 90s were the best things to happen. <laughs> but anyway, but, let's but, go. But that, that was yeah. the excuse for Chris Rock. Well, he's a comedian. That's what comedians <laughs> yeah. do. But anyway, and so... Um, introduction long again that our topic of today is young Hopi professionals yeah that we do have a special guest today to kind of talk a little bit more about that but what our job was to do as far as laying down the foundation for this introduction is what is professionalism what is this idea of being a professional because it's an interesting topic when talking about the reservation dynamic because growing up as kids you did hear that word professional but you never knew what it meant oh yeah you never knew what it meant to have a profession because those were terms that we never used growing up on the reservation we use job we use words like job or work or or work or workers yeah and and i guess you know the reason why this idea of a profession doesn't sit with us is because growing up as kids here on the reservation that we saw the older people that they didn't stay in one occupation we saw we saw our older siblings we saw our parents jump from being a carpenter to a landscaper to a drunk a and custodian then to a drunk to and then to the, a drunk and then getting a job back again <laughs> at working somewhere and then going into the um, uh, being a councilman mm-hmm. and and so this is this would be fitting for your for your joke for your you must be a, a, a urban <laughs> Hopi because in the urban areas that that is something that they do understand is that when some person goes into one particular field that they stay within that field sometimes for the rest of their lives. Yeah, yeah. And then so you understand this word of, oh, they're in the educational profession. They're in the health profession. Yeah. They're in the law profession, meaning that they stay within the educational setting in some sort of occupation for years. And then because they stay in this educational profession or a health profession or a law profession, that in turn, they become an expert within that field because they've been in that field so long. But for us growing up here on the reservation that we see so much of our older people, they jump from this occupation to a different occupation, then to another occupation. Then it in turn, it becomes that phrase that you hear a lot. Um, uh, what is that? There's a phrase out there. It's called um, a job hopper, a job hopper. No, it ends with master of none. Um, master of none, professional nuns. 
<laughs> well, as, as I try to think of the phrase, but that's basically, you know, what we see as kids growing up here on the reservation. And so we don't understand what a profession means or what it means to be a professional. But basically, you know, being a professional is that you get paid to do something in particular. Yeah. Meaning yeah. that you're good enough, that you have enough expertise enough to get paid to do something. And so technically, I guess... We are professional podcasters because we get yeah, paid to do it. Yeah, I guess you could say and that. And that in some other instances that like a medical doctor, for example, is a professional healer because yeah. they get paid to heal people. Yeah. And other types of um, occupations that are similar to that. And so, you know, it's really laying that foundation. And then also to talking this talking about this culture of professionalism because then you asked me was will smith being professional like what does that mean what does that mean to be a professional like professional as in like um like you know a person that doesn't take things too seriously or like a person that will address the the conversation or address the the situation in a civilized manner in a way like that so i guess that's what a professional is like a, a professional somebody like if you see okay so if you take an actor and you know he you see them and uh, on on the silver screen he has this demeanor that you to him and then when you see him in real life then you don't see him like, you know, oh, how come you're not acting the way that I've seen you in movies like that? That's not a profession. That's not a profession. The the phrase is jack of all trades, but master of none. Oh, okay. Meaning that you have your, you know something about all these different positions, but you're not a master of any of them because you haven't spent enough time did, in any of these occupations. Did you know I'm a professional Hopi? <laughs> Because I've been doing it for many, many years. I don't think sitting on the couch <laughs> having Power Ranger marathons is quite in the realm wait, of wait, wait, being wait. a Hopi. I gotta give myself a pause because I'm a professional Hopi that's been doing it for many, many years. And that's your definition. Of I, I don't think that sitting underneath the corn plant watching your uncle do all the field work. <laughs> False within this realm. That was a pro that's a profession. That's a profession. Old. That was a really professional move on my end <laughs> to keep myself from dehydration. Okay. <laughs> but but before before we go to our special <laughs> guest and before we go on break, I, I did want to talk about this idea of professionalism because that is something that does exist out there in the world. Yeah. Um, and basically what that is is that when you go into a workplace that you're expected to carry yourself in a certain way. Oh yeah. That you're supposed to dress respectably. And so some workplaces, depending on where you work at, that there's a dress code. And so, like, for example, if you work in an office, that business attire is required. And so, you know, there's different variations of what that might mean. That might mean that you have to wear a suit to work or that might mean at minimal you have to wear a polo shirt. And then on special days like Fridays, it's a casual day and you get to wear jeans to work. Or if you work in a restaurant, that if you're a server, that there's either they issue you a uniform or they tell you what to wear. This yeah. is what you have to wear because this is how we want you to look when you're serving customers within our business. And so all of that falls in this realm of professionalism. And especially when you get to a cert certain level that even the way you speak to people, the way that you write emails, the way that you talk on the phone, how you answer the phone. It basically comes down to how you carry yourself. Everything of that represents this idea of what professionalism is or being a professional. And I think even all of these other types of things that we learn as children to a degree fall within that realm of being a professional, like uh, honesty, showing up to meetings on time, showing up to work on time. 
um, ensuring that you're completing your job to the best of your ability. All of that falls in this realm of being a, a professional. professional. Yeah. And that ensuring that people can trust in you. Like oh, yeah. if, if people were to hire us, I don't know what people would hire us to do to do a <laughs> podcasting job. But to really demonstrate that we're professionals, that we're going to get the job done of it, what it is that they ask it, of us. In my profession, I wear sweatpants and sandals. So. <laughs> Sometimes slippers to work, I, you know, and I wear the same shirt for at least, uh, you know, a week or so. And so nobody comes visit so, me. So if Carl's boss is listening out there, I, I think it's time to crack the whip on this guy. And- <laughs> nobody comes visits me. So I'll probably be in my bathrobe going to work. That's how professional I am. Well, I think now would be a good time to pause and uh, go to a commercial break. All right. We're going to go ahead and do that. Nurturing Indigenous Intelligence is a grassroots organization based on the Hopi Reservation. They work to alleviate the hardships in the community through acts of giving, from distributing school supplies, volunteering at various places, and working to expand their services. Follow them on Instagram at NurturingISquared and on Facebook at NISquaredTeam to find out more. Koan Bioma Law, PLLC, is 100% native-owned and operated, founded by Viren Koan Bioma. Their practice areas include corporate law, business transactions, finance, economic development, gaming, casino development, online gaming, real estate, environmental permitting and approvals, telecommunications, government affairs, employment and labor relations, historic preservation and cultural resources, and energy. Koan Bioma Law is committed to making positive and lasting change in our communities as they support nonprofit volunteering community activism and employing Indian preference in hiring and vendor relations. And we're back. A good intro, a good portion of that introduction talking about slapping each other and uh, the difference between a slap and a, a fist punch. But uh, now we welcome in our special guest. All right. Well, welcome. Welcome to the podcast, Hannah Hanani. Hi, everybody. Thank you for the invitation to be a part of your cool podcast. Well, thank you for accepting and joining us. And so, Hannah, if you could give our listeners uh, your quick your introduction, whatever it is that you'd like to share with our audience. Sure. Um, I'm Hannah Honani. I uh, come from um, the village of Sitomovi, Pivasi, and Hopi Matiwani Kyang, Sitomovi, and Hospo, Hospo Wungwa, but Siyaniga Canyon, Epkita. So, Askwale, thank you for having me on today. Awesome. Thank you, Hannah. And and I guess just kind of some um, behind the scenes type of fill in the gaps information that once upon a time that I did reach out to Hannah. Uh, this was probably quite some months back. And, you know, I was really frustrated with uh, yeah with some things that related to to professionalism and, and the workplace and such. And uh, she kind of had shared her, her same frustrations. And we had this idea, like, why don't we start a support group? For young Hopi professionals that are working out here on the reservation, just a safe space so that we could vent about different things, kind of uh, be each other's cheerleader. And I guess really, you know, my idea behind that was because that you do have a pretty good, sizable group of young, educated people out here on the reservation now. But because we are going through this meat grinder called working for the Hopi reservation that my worry was that because a lot of us might get discouraged or 
just kind of lose faith of the type of work and why we're doing it and who we're doing it for that some of our people might just quit and leave and move back to the city and never come back. And so that was kind of this big idea of having this uh, support group. But uh, Hannah, that you're here, if you could share with us kind of, um, I guess, a little bit more as far as what your experiences are being a professional, the type of uh, work that you do, some of the experiences that you have, and even share some of your ideas of what a professional is and what professionalism is. Sure. Um I really like that idea of having that support group and I was really interested in helping you get it started. But, you know, when you talk about that meat grinder of working here on Hopi, but, you know, you add in the pandemic, you know, that just created another layer of stress and anxiety and uncertainty for a lot of young professionals. And I have to uh, thank you for considering me a young professional. I'm over 35. And so I, I've had my fair share of employment opportunities and experiences. I've been working since um, I was a freshman in high school. And so that's kind of where my, um, I would, I guess you could say my professional um, learning began um, was, and it was only during the summer. Um, <clears throat> I was um, in charge of helping. Um, I was like a mentor for these younger kids that came to the school, it was like a little program during the day. But um, outside of that, we did a lot of yard work. It was at the high school here, at Hopi High School. And um, during the summer, we were cleaning yard, um, trimming trees, making sure that, you know, the campus was spick and span. And then even doing some painting work inside the building itself and helping to do some um, repairs in the classrooms. Um, so just odd jobs, you know, helping to keep that building clean. And then in the afternoon, we would have these younger kids come in and we would be kind of like those um, youth leaders, um, giving them activities to do, playing with them. And then we would take them to lunch. And then after that, they would, you know, get um, on the buses back home. And that was a really good program. It was kind of that student to work program. They held it every summer. So that's what my summers consisted of was working and then um, <clears throat> training for different sports that I was interested in. So that's where it really started. And I learned to be um, independent. And so and when you think about um, being a professional, that's where um, you talked about it a little bit earlier about what those basic concepts are, being accountable, being held to a standard of um, showing up on time, being respectful to your coworkers, um, communicating in an effective way that contributes to the work that you're putting out. And I'm a really big believer, and I, I, I do it now and realize how important it is now that anything that you do, you invest um, yourself, your time, your skills, um, <clears throat> and whatever you put that in, it'll come back, you know, not right away, but it, it's always... Um, you're contributing to something a lot bigger than yourself. And, and I think that once people can focus on that and not just themselves, you know, I feel like there's a lot of room and opportunity for one to grow. And I'm one of those people that didn't stay on that straight path of graduation, college, whatever, you know, that what they call traditional path mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. pursuing education. Um, I did graduate high school. I went to um, a community college. I got my two-year degree, um, and I had planned to transfer. Um, life happens, and you know you're thrown a curveball, and you're you're forced to pursue other um, avenues um, just to keep going, just to um, 
<clears throat> survive um, and thrive. And so knowing that I had worked, I had come back home. I went to work at um, the Hopi High School again as a paraprofessional in the um, special education department. And I was there for three years. Um, and that's where I got the motivation to to want to go back to school. So I, then I went back and I went to NEU for a year. Um, life, again, you know, threw a curveball, um, came back home. And then when <clears throat> when I came back home, you know, there's there was always this stigma about working and, and um, working, I, I would say, at the specific place at the Hopi Culture Center. You know, a lot of people got their start there. They were waitresses. They were dishwashers. They were hotel clerks, whatever. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to work there. You know, it was kind of that, um, because that stigma was there and I was like, I don't want to work there. And so I had a, I had my daughter at the time. She was probably, um, gosh, five when we came back home. And so <clears throat> I had put her in school. And so at, at that time I was like, I have to find a job. I have to start, um, making ends meet, you know, being an adult, you know, I had to, I had to do all that on my own. And so, um, <clears throat> I ended up, um, it w- took a long time to find a job. It was like getting letter after letter saying you're either not qualified or you're overqualified for all of these positions. And I was just, I was one of those people, um, that was just playing, applying anywhere and everywhere that I could get in. Um, and when I started running out of money, um, I was very reluctant to apply for DES for, you know, that government assistant. I was very like hesitant and I was like, I don't, can't believe I'm resorting to this. You know, I can't believe that it's gotten this hard for me to have to take, you know, that assistance. So I did, you know, I just had to put my pride away and um, go that route just so that I could, again, thrive and survive. Luckily, I was able to get a job at the Hopi Culture Center. I was working there for um, as a hotel clerk. So checking in guests, you know, doing that customer service thing, booking uh, reservations, all of that. Um, and I was there for quite, quite some time. I want to say maybe three years. Um, and then I tried to help start like a visitor center type thing. Mm -hmm. Like it's kind of like that, the centralized place. If you think of a, um, chamber of commerce, if you will, like to have in the city is kind of that hub where, you know, we help tourists get, um, um, opportunities to provide tours to like our, um, folks that come visit, want to see these specific areas that we have around here. You know, that was kind of our way to help that business, that economy grow. It didn't go very far. We didn't have a lot of the support behind us um, to get it going. So I, that was only, that was my job for like one year. I was an office manager. Um, and so I was the one connecting our tourists to <clears throat> the, the um, tour guides here um, on Hopi. And that was very interesting, and I still think there's a lot of potential for that to bring back after you know we we um, you know come back bounce back from this pandemic. But anyway, I was there, and then I eventually got laid off, and that was in 2014 <clears throat> by September 2014. And then I was like, shoot, I'm back to square one again. You know, I did not want to go back on um, DES and that whole assistance thing, so. Um, I applied at Topi Foundation, and I've been there ever since. Um, yeah, I've been there ever since, and it's been a very rewarding. And talk about growing, talk about growing your own people, to talk about um, that professionalism and that culture. And I'm sure we'll get into mm-hmm. a little bit more mm-hmm. of that about work cor- culture and how people um, 
function and being able to work with people that you may not click with, but there's ways to get around that. So, so having this around around the world type of experience that you've probably seen all kinds of things from uh, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows as far as our, uh, at least in terms of the, what the topic is going to be about professionalism. And Carl, you had something I, to I had, I had something to uh, ask you. I was like, um, you know, we talk about like when we're growing up, you know, we want it to be like firemen or like nurses, doctors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What what sort of profession did you want to be as a kid when when you were growing up? Sure. I had want to I wanted to do a whole lot of things, but I really was looking at helping people, whatever that was. I just couldn't pinpoint it. And then I as I got older in high school, I want to say my junior and senior year, there was this program that they were offering called sports medicine. And so I had an opportunity to be with a trainer. I had an opportunity to be with um, the athletes and learning how to tape ankles, learning about rehab, learning about different um, muscles and and how they function and how to remedy injuries, you know, things like that. And that really piqued my interest because I was helping people. I was providing some kind of support for them. And then as I went through my educational experience, it eventually changed. It was like, I want to do physical therapy. I want to do public health, you know, but it was always in that realm of helping and giving back. Yeah. But now I'm doing something totally different. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. So, so so usually is the trend. Carl went to school to fix refrigerators and now he's uh, <laughs> doing something complete. The opposite side of that. And, you know, I went to school for a particular thing and, you know, and I'm you're not, not doing that as well too. exactly doing, doing that either. But I guess, you know, kind of carrying the conversation forward because really this episode is supposed to be about young professionals. And I think three of all three of us could be in that category of young professionals because I've made this comment before. And, you know, unfortunately that in this day and age that due to things like movies and TV shows that we're kind of convinced that we're supposed to be millionaires in our 20s and that, you know, we're supposed to retire in our 30s, but that is so far from reality that usually in your 20s that you're still getting your actual education for those for those folks that do go to things like college, trade school, vocational school, any type of educational system like that, then you finish and then you just start get, getting into your profession around your late 20s. And then as you're going into your 30s, really, you're just setting the foundation for your future of you're going to be then towards the tail end of your 30s going into your 40s. That's when you start really actually commanding your own ship and actually start to be the policy maker, the change maker that we all strive to be. And then really the most important work that a lot of us do are at in, within our forties to our sixties. And so this just completely misconstrued concept of what professionalism is or of when you're supposed to be successful. And, you know, I, I think that at least in, in, in talking about being young professionals on Hopi, one of the most difficult things is to to not come off as, as crybabies because then in, in the larger scale, you have this whole concept of boomers versus millennials. And like I said, that you know, I'm on Twitter a lot. So you hear this conversation because that, you know, for according to the boomers, that life was, was perfect in, in the 50s and the 60s in the 70s and you know a lot of our leadership i think fall within that age category of being yeah. boomers and then us millennials who quote and unquote know it all are coming in and then you know now we're starting to experience some of the resistance that we get mm-hmm. coming in as professionals within our uh, profession do you call yourself a professional on what you do 
or do does or do people call you professional on what you do? I believe so. I, I think I can confidently confidently say yes. I would never call myself a professional because that is, uh, you know, that is something that I don't want to work for because it is just something that I do as a, you know, I, I, I do it because I do it because it's, it's there. I do it. And, you know, cause Kwa, and Kwa does, uh, you know, he was, um, he was a bus driver for, for, uh, what was years. it? 30, 35 years, years for years, 35 mm-hmm. years being a bus driver, never once called himself a professional bus driver. The reason why is because a bus driver is just what he does and what he does best is just drive the bus. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. People call him professional because he's been working in that professional profession for a long time, mm-hmm. but he never called himself a professional. Yeah. Well, I'd never call you a professional either because <laughs> if you were a professional, then all of our episodes would be on YouTube. Like I've been telling people. Told you I'm are, a professional Hopi. I am I'm doing professional Hopi stuff. You're, you, you're a pro- what you're a professional <laughs> of is that you are a professional Hopi crit. And that is something that I would call you a professional. A professional of, but basically, I guess the question is for for both of you, uh, me included, is that you know thinking about professionalism as a seed because we did talk about what we thought our ideas of what professionalism is. Can that professional seed grow on the reservation? Wow, I I think so, and I think it's it starts with um, individuals that want to proceed in that manner you know and and when you talk about professional I some this word comes to me and it it's, it's perfect and by and I understand your point of views about what you think of what that word means um and I I myself do not consider myself um professional it's it, I'm skilled at what I do I I have the skills to be productive to be efficient in my role that I have um, because if you see my job description, it's it's you're doing ABC and I can do all those things. I know what that is. I'm competent. I can um, convey that to other people. Um, so that's what I think professional is. But it also comes with um, customer service, learning how to communicate, having emotional intelligence. And this is something I'm, I'm somehow wanting to put more out out there and educate people on what emotional intelligence is. Um, and really briefly, it's having that um awareness or um the ability to perceive use and understand and uh, manage your personal emotions and words and reaction to different things in a manner that does not escalate a situation like you saw with will smith like I, i i feel like his emotional intelligence was compromised because he reacted and if you saw that video more closely you could see that his wife, she rolled her eyes when when Chris Rock made that comment. And then, um, if you pan, if you look at Will Smith in that same frame, he's laughing at the joke. So I'm wondering when they panned over to Chris Rock, did she kick him? Did she say, you know, do something? And that's why he reacted. Like I just don't understand why people have to react in such a manner that's um, escalating a situation. And then he proceeded to use language that didn't necessarily have to be said. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, that's a great point to bring up because I think that that definitely is something, at least as far as the core of an argument that might be as to why professionalism doesn't exist on the reservation. I believe the, the term you used was uh, emotional 
something intelligence <laughs> Imp- emotional intelligence and so carl you know we're where are some examples where you've seen emotional intelligence be compromised in the workplace here on hopi well a lot of this stuff is uh through the uh <laughs> what you hear on the radio and a lot of the things is that um the thing is that emotional what was it emotional distress or what did you emotional call it? Intelligence. intelligence is compromised through the the tribal meetings <laughs> I was just going to say, just to clarify, Carl is not talking about KUII itself, but rather he's talking about in, uh, the, the council meetings, basically, <laughs> where a lot of emotional intelligence is compromised. And see, we, we go back to that whole idea of uh, being apes, pretty much. I'm not calling the... I'm not calling the, 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 the tribe apes or anything like that. I'm calling the whole idea of how they're in, you know, their, their way of thinking is in that kind of ape mode. You know, it's, it's like, it's like, oh, you said this about my, you know, about my clan or my village or myself. I'm going to go ahead and retaliate by saying something about you, about your funny looks or like your, your clan, your, you know, it, it goes back and forth like that, not solving anything. And that's, the, <laughs> that's the reason why a lot of that is emotional intelligence. And that's a good definition. <laughs> of it. Well, I, I guess, you know, like for, for folks that may have never been to the reservation before for some of those listeners that when you visit the reservation that I, at least as far as this idea of professionalism, like not all of our people grasp that idea or even entertain the idea of what that is. Because like if you're somebody that's worked throughout the reservation and, and has extensive experiences that you do have a lot of folks that have a very difficult time separating this idea of what's personal versus what's uh, work related, I guess, because, you know, one of the, the best advice that I've ever gotten from a mentor, this was way back when I was working in the kitchen, but former uh, chef that was a, a native person. And he told me that, you know, anytime that you're in the kitchen and somebody criticizes your work, always remember that that's business. It's not personal. But out here on the reservation, that when you criticize a person's work performance, that they take it very personally. Yes. And then in, in the manner that you said that they begin to react out and you see it as children, because I remember, I remember growing up as a kid, being on the playground, that a kid would do something that they clearly know that they weren't supposed to do. Maybe they got a marker and they decided to write on the wall. Yeah. And then they get caught doing it. And then whoever catches them doing it, they take the marker away and they kind of discipline them. And then after they would get disciplined, then the reaction is like, F that guy, F that. He's, yeah. he's such a, that, that fat F-U-C-K or, yeah. you know, like they would say something so denigrating. And I remember thinking as a kid, like, well, where the hell are you pissed off at them? You're the one that did something wrong and you know you did something <laughs> wrong. The only reason why you're reacting in the way that you did was because you either got yelled at, you got reprimanded or something bad your, happened to you. Your emotions and, got and, hurt. And yeah. I guess, you know, the very frustrating thing about being a young professional, and I guess we're going to go into our soapboxes right now, is that, that the behavior still continues <laughs> with 
quote unquote adults that when they do something wrong or don't do their job in the workplace, that they begin to react in this way that they cause disruption. Because they did something wrong and they got yeah. in trouble for it. And yeah. So I, Hannah, yeah. I don't know if you've seen that anywhere or experienced it or have tales of that. Yeah, I do. Uh, in in all places that I've worked, I've seen it. And um, there's this quote that I I saw um, the other day that you know anybody that crosses your path knows something that you don't. You know you should always learn from them. Mm-hmm. And so I I've used I remember that all the time. You know when I when I meet people, you know it doesn't matter like. If they're um, are these statuses, if you will, um, whether they're a community member or somebody in a high position at the tribal government or you know IHS or whatever the case may be, it's always I'm privileged to cross this person's path because they have something to offer that I've probably never heard before or a perspective that I've never um, had the chance to really sit with or put my put their shoes on and see it in their eyes, um, so to speak. So it's it's always um, that kind of um, um, I guess manner in which I work, or you know, I'm always grateful to to come across these people. And um, and, and and as I grown in my professional career, I was always customer service, customer service. You have to treat people the way you want to be treated. It's that reciprocity. And if you think of emotional intelligence and you're trying to convey it to our community members here you use your values it's embedded in there already Mm -hmm. i don't know why we've strayed so far away from it you know and i don't and you know you see it or hear it hear about it in the council meetings about how they're they're doing this tit for tat thing you know i'm gonna do this because you did this and it's not even what the mission is about that's not their hat that's not the role that they're sitting in at that point and it's very it's become very um uh how would you say that it's become very um stagnant chi- childish stagnant and it holds up the whole process of why they're there mm-hmm. yeah and why mm-hmm. and, you know and then they're wasting everybody's time at that point mm-hmm. because it's it's this behavior that continues to happen but i think that if it's emotional intelligence if you were to try to teach it it's already embedded in those values mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. all of those things um i just don't know um how we can get back to that and why we can't, you know, implement those or, you know, um, how would you say that? I guess perform in those ways and everything that we do. And that's what I'm talking about when I say um, the culture of work that at the place I'm at now, you know, that's exactly what we try to do and try to follow and use and everything that we do. Well, it makes for really, really good radio when you hear... (laughs) When you hear elderly men yelling at each other for something that is totally off the, <laughs> that is like one of the best things that you can ever hear on public radio. I mean, this thing is going out on the internet. It's listened to by thousands of people. And yet they have this audacity to say, like, you know, uh, my village is better than yours. My hair is not bushy. Because it's not windy. My hair is actually black and I don't have to dye it <laughs> for every meeting. Well, one, of, one of the things that I did want to cover and, you know, I did mention it at the beginning was kind of talking about, you know, I guess why why some folks like us young professionals yeah. have a difficult time kind of integrating into this quote unquote professional dynamic 
that we have here on the reservation because and I guess it really just depends on what your own personal experience <laughs> is because then like for me from my own experience is that I've had experiences working within a professional setting within the bigger city and I guess really what the big difference when you're working in the big city is that if you decide to be a worker that's not going to show up on time if you're going to be a worker that's going to decide to have two hour lunch breaks if you're going to be a worker that decides not to do your job you can easily be replaced oh yeah yeah and the biggest difference between the city and out here is that you have a hard time to replace folks that might be doing those things or that might be acting out. And so in turn, a lot of our businesses, organizations, they tend to tolerate a lot of behavior that they really shouldn't because for fear of not being able to replace certain folks, especially if you have individuals that are good at what they do, but really might have a, a, a real shitty attitude or just causes all kinds of disruption because you hear a lot of it. Unfortunately, you hear a lot of it out there within our communities, <laughs> within our organizations, our schools, our businesses. And it really pisses you off because then, you know, like as a parent, as somebody living within the community, when you send your child to school, yeah. your expectation is that that school is going to do the utmost of their job to be able to educate your children. When you send your parents or your elderly to the healthcare center, that your expectation is that that place is going to do their best to take care of the people that you're sending there or any other place that you decide to take your business. You just expect that you're going to get quality from those places and then at least as far as Mike's own experiences go working within these professional settings is that because there is such a high standard as far as professionalism as far as how you talk to people even I mentioned it before how you address emails how you convert how, how you communicate with one another basically that it's up to such a certain level that when you get here to the reservation that standard just drops so dramatically and then you can't believe what is allowed to happen for example i remember because then you know within the professional setting especially when it comes to like an office setting that yeah. anytime you send documents that have a signature embedded on it that you always send the pdf because for those that are receiving your pdf files that it can't be altered yeah and you can't extract the signature and you can't do whatever you want with the signature but out here i've seen documents being sent with signatures embedded in it on a word document <laughs> yeah meaning that i could copy and paste the person's signature i could put it on checks if i wanted to i could create my own document that just says whatever i want it to say up with up with whatever and then down with dirt and then i could put that person's signature on there like i could just do so much destructive things and even to this day like right now you know it, it as being professionals, that we don't share probably what we want to share because we want to be respectful of where we work, yeah. who we work for, who we work with. But the unfortunate reality is, is that we could share all those truths if we wanted to, and we would probably get away with it. <laughs> well, you know, what? what's keeping us because we're emotionally... Uh, what was it? Emotionally intelligent. That's the, <laughs> that's the reason why we don't do that. It's, you know, we're not smart enough to uh, to do something like that. We just rather uh, make fun of the person and then see if their emotions get hurt. 
And so Hannah, I guess you could share kind of what some of those are, because then like I did, I did mention to you that, you know, I am fearful that for a lot of us that are going through some of these difficulties that in turn, we may feel like this isn't worth it anymore. Mm-hmm. And we decide to leave home. What are some examples that you've seen or anything that you've experienced that may have made you feel like, you know what, maybe I shouldn't live out here anymore. I've. I, it's funny that you say that because I've never thought about living anybody anywhere else. You know, I've had my fair share. And even though it was a short time, I've had my experience in the city and I did not like it. Um, even when I go on trips, um, when before the pandemic, you know, I was going on trips and going to the city that gave me anxiety, you know, being enclosed, not having, feeling like you don't have enough room to breathe. That's what I like about being here at home. And although it's hard and it's tough and there's these different challenges that you have, it starts with yourself. You know, am I, you ask yourself those questions, you know, can I last here? And, and I and I understand the challenges when somebody who lives who has lived in the city for so long, if it's more than 10 years, they're going to have a hard time coming home. It's a different environment. Our landscape is different. And I think those are things you really have to talk about with yourself and even your family if you're bringing them out here before you actually get here. You know, what is different? What am I willing to compromise um, in moving back home? You know, is it that hustle, bustle type attitude and, and lifestyle that you're going to have to give up or is it that convenience of having the corner store right there at your doorstep you know those are things you have to talk about and it's always it's always that when I when I ask myself or have these um, crossroads that I'm dealing with what am I willing to compromise and there's certain things I will not compromise and those are like the 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 values that I have and even um where where I'm at right now and my place of work is is has given me so much to work with and I and I only see potential and I'm um one of the people there that's willing to help and grow others um but I think it starts with ourselves first and and what are we willing to contribute and make sacrifices for and living out here um sure there's a lot of sacrifices you know but I think what I get in turn and in, in turn or in place of that is the exposure to traditional knowledge, the upbringing that I've had, you know, I, I technically, <laughs> I'm not from here. You know, my, my grandmother is Cherokee from um, Jay, Oklahoma. And so, <clears throat> but I grew up out here and this is all I know. This is my identity here. And so as I started growing up, I had a hard time with my identity and, and where I fit in. Um, and it wasn't until I went through the Hopi leadership program that that became more apparent of what I knew how I identified myself and where I fit in. Um, <clears throat> so that contributes to a lot of my, my, uh, what would you say? My, uh, your upbringing, my upbringing, but just who I am as a person. Um, and I don't take my learnings or my, my, what has been taught to me very, very lightly. You know, I take it with heart. I take it with, um, everything with me because at some point in time, it's always come in to, to help save me or to help, me rethink about the choice I'm about to make and my dad had a huge influence on that um and then my mom was more so that influence of you have to be confident if you want something then you got to go do it yourself don't wait for anybody to to hand you um something that you need if 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 you don't get it you got to go do it yourself and so she was that grit my my person that was you got to go do it you know my motivator you know and I seen her um, raise three kids on her own and be that single mom um, 
and that fa- that figure that was always consistent. Um, she was always there for us. And so, um, you know, I'm really privileged to work where I'm working at. And some of those, <laughs> when you think about <clears throat> having those challenges of working with people that just do not give a shit about where they work or what they do, you know, you have to think about what kind of lifestyle or home that they came from. And sometimes it's not always the best. And sometimes they do not have the experiences you do to be able to to remedy that within themselves. But I really think that in order to start anywhere to build this culture of leadership or professionalism is to start with um, the basics, you know, community service, you know, being able to communicate and and understanding what your own personal goals and choices are that you want from, for yourself um, and being open to that criticism. Uh, it's called, what do they call that? Um, not criticism, but um, ah, I can't think of the other word Critiquing, um, professionalism. I can't remember um, what it's called. It's, it's um, not criticism. Constructive but it's, criticism. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for, constructive criticism. <laughs> but again, bottom line, don't take anything personal. You know, sometimes it's not even about you. It's just somebody that's reacting off of something they're thinking about or that happened at home. And that's when you talk about separating work and home life. You don't bring home to work with you. I, I, I take all of Carl's insults about me and my village is, is that, you know, he, he, there's probably <laughs> some sadness in his life and, you know, probably jealous that, you know, I'm taller and uh, better looking. So I usually take that up as, as that. Hannah, you <laughs> might, <laughs> Hannah, you must be a real res Indian because J-Man was born white man because he likes the city. <laughs> he, he would rather stay in the city and not be on the reservation. Well, well, you know, because this is something I do think about a lot that I, I do think, well, at least as far as, you know, difficulties for fitting in, I guess, as, as a young Hopi professional, because, you know, out in the city, no one cares who you're related to. Oh, yeah. Nobody cares. Like, more than likely when you go into a new job that there's no really any type of prior relations to coworkers that you may have or people that you're having to work with. But then when you work out here, you're working with all kinds of relatives. You're working with friends. And then so this idea comes up that because you're working together that you're going to goof off together. Or if you become a supervisor, that's when it becomes really difficult because then somebody that's underneath you, oh, that's my taha. He'll let me, he'll let me fuck around. Yeah, let that's me slide. my daddy. He'll, he'll let me slide. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Or even if it's a woman, which is probably even more difficult then the men take advantage of that because oh, yeah. then, oh, that's my kia. She'll, she'll let me, you know, do whatever it is that I want. And then in turn, that becomes used as leverage to try to... I guess hurt each other within the workplace, and you know, I, for me, it just freak it baffles me that, yeah. that people would utilize their culture to get out of doing their jobs or to get out of doing something. But it happens, well, and and you hear it happening. But the one thing that I did want to talk about before we do leave, I do realize that we're we're low on time. I have one question on my format, and I think that you know we talked about something very recent that happened, but this is another recent thing that happened recently. But on our reservation is, and that question to both of you is, do young people have faith in our current leadership? I think just from what I hear, what I'm hearing and just, you know, scrolling through Facebook and different social medias and talking in general, just with whoever I happen to see in the day, um, 
it's it's a joke at this point, and I, it's, <laughs> it it hurts me to say that. You know that that that's what I hear. I mean, those are those words. It's a joke at this point. Um, that our leadership has lost all sight of people as a whole. Um, and at this point, it's it's um, the strong, not the strong survive, but it's everyone for themselves. Um, and so it, it's very sad for me to hear that. Um, personally, I have faith, um, but it's going to take something drastic for them to understand and come back from that. If, you know, if even if that, if, even if that's possible, I don't know what that looks like. I'm really trying to picture it in my mind of what that, what that, you know, grit's going to look like, that comeback's going to look like. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's going to take something drastic for them to open their eyes and that light bulb to go off and say, Hey, we, we what are we doing? You know? Yeah. Um, I say they're doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. Okay. The reason why I said that is because it does take a lot of effort to wake up through, through all of this uh, nonsense. Like, you know, people back talking them, uh, people downgrading them to like on radio and then going back every single day to do it all over again. Right. So I do congratulate them. I do congratulate them that they're not quitting on something that people do say some stuff to them because it does take a lot. It does take a lot with the emotions and everything like that. So they mm -hmm. are... In my mind, they are doing a good job. They might be doing, they, they could be doing a better job, but they're doing an okay job. <laughs> I think at this point, we all could be doing a better job and not, you know, what you were talking about earlier, that, that word bandwagon, don't jump on the bandwagon and start bashing, you know, what are, what, what are you going to do to contribute what, to what, that What are you change? willing to do? To <laughs> and, you know, it starts with ourselves. What mm -hmm. are, what are, it, as small as that may sound, you know, that's where, that's what it's going to take mm -hmm. for. <clears throat> well, well, the reason why I brought that up was because that very recently there was a tribal council meeting and I, I have absolutely no idea what they're talking about because I, I don't tune in because I do it for my own mental well-being. And so I refrain from listening in onto tribal council meetings. But from what I understand, it had to do with the budget. And oh, so yeah. a lot of yeah. people were weighing in when it weighs into money. And it's just interesting to me because then like, you know, you have council meetings and people don't talk about it. But in this particular one, a lot of our people were very active in giving commentary via social media on what was going on. And, you know, I, I shared, I believe I've shared my, oh, yeah. my opinions as far as our, our council and our leadership as how it goes. Because I mean, in, in my opinion that, you know, the, the council itself is uh, a vessel that does not work for our people, not the people that's within it or that are driving it itself, but rather the structure of the vessel. And it just really needs to be torn down and built back up and catered more for who we are as Hopi people in the structure of our villages. And so until that's done, you know, maybe then I'll take an interest in, in those council meetings or even take an interest to vote because you and I are, Carl and I are pretty open about our opinions as, as far as that topic goes, yeah. as far as voting. But, uh, well, thank you, Hannah, for, yeah, thank you a for lot. being here. And if you have any final part words for our listeners um no just thank you for the opportunity to to hear and just experience this open conversation that you guys have and your your program here so thank you and i wish you all well in your podcasts and future guests to come on you know it's a, a great platform for us to share a voice awesome. different, all right different well thank you Asquale. yeah thank you hey she called us a program <laughs> we might get funded from the tribe now <laughs>
<laughs> not after what we just not said. after what we said. All right, if you guys had made it this far, congratulations because yes, it is a very long episode. And if you do want to donate something, go to anchor.fm slash CJ Podcast eighty five to donate four ninety nine or nine ninety nine a month. Or if you just want to become, just donate anything, go to buymeacoffee.com slash CJ podcast. And if you're not following us on our social media, you can find us at Carl and J-Man all across the boards on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I highly doubt you're listening to this on YouTube because if I had a more professional (laughs) co-host, then these episodes might be uploaded on YouTube someday. But if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to give us that five-star review. It really helps us out. And if you are listening to this on any other platform other than Spotify, go ahead and listen to this a second time on Spotify because uh, they need to be helping us out in that way as well. All right. Well, thank you to our special guests, Hannah Honani. And thank you again for listening to Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. My name is Carl and this is my best friend, J-Man. So long. Quack, quack.